With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus later will be joined by intern David Eichel as he is making his way through summer school trying to get out in August. Uh, but guys, a um, few things to hit on here as we open up the show. First, a little more attrition uh, for the Huskers as uh, now if you count Zach Darlington, um, there have been eight scholarship players that have left the program. Willie Hampton um, announces via Twitter he is leaving inside linebacker. Uh, so Nebraska, when you count Noah Bedrill, they were at 90 players on scholarship on signing day, uh, now at 82. And I, I think the initial hot take guy out there, um, you know, both Nate and I and Robin, we've done a lot of radio shows, and these radio guys tend to react and get all emotional about this stuff. And uh, I think, Nate, we've had the same take on this Um I think a lot of these guys that have left, Willie Hampton being the latest, Scott Frost has said, hey, here's the deal. If you want to play college football, it won't be this season at Nebraska. And by the way, we're going to keep probably recruiting players over you. So it would be in your best interest, our best interest, if you found other options to play your football. But if you want to stay here, that's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally agree with that. The writing is on the wall for these guys. and. Um, I mean, when you look at everyone who's left the program, I don't know if you could necessarily point to any of those guys and say, well, that guy was going to be a major contributor this year. Other than Michael Decker. Yeah, he's the only outlier of that group. And um, and, and when those guys kind of look at where they're at coming out of the spring, and then when they look at some of the guys that, that have visited, some of the guys that are getting offers, um, how active Nebraska's been in the junior college market, I think that pretty much has told these guys, you know what, if I'm not playing this year, there's a good chance that I will never play at Nebraska, uh, considering the type of guys that they're recruiting to bring in uh, to play at my position. Well, and the reality is, this is a team that went four and eight last year, and so for any of these guys to think that anything was safe uh, with a new coaching staff coming in and evaluating the film from last year and um, wanting to bring in their own style and schemes and personnel. Um, I mean, the writing was on the wall from the very beginning of this whole deal. And I, you got to credit Frost um, you know, and his staff. I guarantee you they made it extremely clear, uh, as clear as day, about where everything stood with these guys throughout the entire spring. And then especially in the one-on-one -on -one meetings each player had with Scott Frost in his office after spring ball. Uh, he laid it out there, and like Sean, like you said, I guarantee you he was very blunt um, with his evaluation about the, what the future held for each and individual player, and uh, that's why you're seeing you know a pretty uh, you know good group here moving on. Uh, but again, outside of Michael Decker, none of them were a surprise. No, there's no doubt that this had to come. They knew it was coming. I know Nate and I had some conversations back in the football offices earlier this spring, and they said one of the guys we talked to said roster management continues to be an everyday discussion in our meeting rooms and kind of what we need, what we have, et cetera. And 
Um, I, I think that's what a lot of this is. They they have really painted a clear picture and. Um, you know, part of it, I think, too, is fans get emotionally attached to some players, and we'll take some blame for this because of recruiting. Um, I think fans follow these guys, obviously, a lot more than, say, 15 years ago, um, get to know their story, and naturally, you want to see them all work out and play. But the reality, Nate, is it just doesn't work that way. Quoting Dan Hawkins, this ain't intramurals, brother. Yeah. This is the Big Ten. Exactly. Well, and, and when realistically, when you look at a recruiting class, you know, after five years has gone by, if half of those players have, have panned out and played uh, meaningful snaps or started, then then typically you're doing pretty good with that recruiting class. I, I think anything over 50% is would be, you know, doing phenomenal. Um, and it just usually that's just how it works out. And, and so to see these guys leave the program now, um, especially guys that have left and, and considering where they were on the depth chart, um, you know, it's, it, it isn't a huge surprise. And, uh, and I do think you have to be, you know, tip your hat to Scott Frost with how um, transparent they've been in this entire process. And if you're going to do it, now is the, the time to do it, you know, and kind of let guys know exactly where they stand uh, and kind of, you know, flesh flesh things out a little bit right now. We're talking attrition here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. And, you know, as you um, kind of move forward now, I, I still think we could see, see a couple more. I mean, there's grumblings and rumblings of probably at least two more out there. So it's going to be, you know, I think it's different, though. Like last year, Nebraska went into fall camp at they went into signing day at 82 I believe and they were at fall camp at 78 this is a lot different Nebraska was at 90 on signing day they could be at 80 so they've kind of potentially cleaned out eight to ten guys that weren't going to play at all and they're going to try to replace it in recruiting um, they have the potential to sign and I don't think a lot of fans understand how the numbers work but they can count back 12 guys from last year and still sign 25 for this year now they're not going to sign 37. But I think it's safe to say they're going to bring in at least 25 new players, potential transfers before now in next February. And and, and and that's what Scott Frost wants. I mean, I think he knows they need new blood, new life. And they've already infused a lot of new blood and new life on this football team. When you, you look at the roster of the recruiting class plus the walk-on class, I think they've added close to 50 new players to the program in just a short period of time. Well, that's going to be the intriguing thing for me is what happens now. You know, the fact that they are uh, already so far under the limit and probably maybe going to get it even further when all is said and done. Um, you know, what happens over the next few months with potential JUCO transfers, you know, Division One transfers, and they, you, know, you can talk more about this, about, um, you know, different options they could go. But um, clearly um, they have some immediate needs that need to be filled, and I would not be surprised at all if, you know, some of those areas get directly targeted now that they have room. Well, yeah, now, now you can become a, a legitimate player in the grad transfer market. Um, you know, we know that Nick Watkins, the, the corner out of Notre Dame, is a possibility. Um, you know, it, you know he has not set up a visit yet, but there's a very good chance that that does happen. Uh, and there's several other positions that I think that uh, if it's the right type of player, they now have more than enough room to bring those guys in. Plus, maybe trying to trying to see if there's a late qualifier in the JUCO market or something like that. Somebody who's kind of fallen through the cracks here in the in the months leading up to to fall camp here. No, you're listening here to the Husker Line Show and other big news here um, over the last uh, day or two. Scott Frost's contract officially released, and he just signed it in May. I mean, I, I think you know he's hired. He was hired in December, but these things take time. Uh, the official numbers were released 
Um, the bonus clauses on the contract: if you tie the division but don't play in the Big Big Ten title game, it's a hundred grand. Um, if you make the Big Ten title game, it's two hundred thousand for winning the division or three hundred for the Big Ten championship. So you get one of those, and then for um, bowl game bonuses released, all similar to previous contracts here: one fifty for a bowl game, uh, two fifty for a New Year's Six game, three hundred for a semifinal. National title game is three fifty. You win it all six fifty. So um, up to nine hundred and fifty thousand would be the maximum bonus on top of his five hundred thousand. Um, it looks like too, Nate. There's some stuff about camps um, that were what was worked in there about camp money and then in airplane hours as well. He gets twenty private jet hours per year um, on his contract, which would cover probably four or five, uh, maybe six personal trips uh, for his him and his family per year. Yeah, that's always kind of nice to, to have. And, and I mean, I'd love to have that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, honestly, it's pretty smart to, to kind of work that into your contract uh, because you never know when, you know, when you're the head coach at Nebraska and you're, you're Scott Frost, you're going to have some some opportunities that come your way um, and that may only be able to take advantage of those if you have access to a private plane. So uh, so it's kind of nice to, to do that or to be able to use that on your family or, or whatever. So uh, kind of to have 20 hours in the bank there with a private jet, uh, not a bad deal yeah didn't Polini used to fly with his dogs Nate and, and he loved to like have the private plane because of the you know having to be able to get his dogs on there a lot easier yeah something like that I don't know well from the dollar figure sense nothing surprising I mean obviously making just under a million bucks if you uh, do everything that you are set out to do uh, that's pretty good incentive but um, you know I mean obviously I think that this is kind of a deal where I don't know necessarily this was something Frost probably pushed hard for. It seems like kind of standard procedure, Sean. You might know better about kind I of guess how it stacks up. It seemed like it took a while for it to get signed. So you wonder if there was a thing or two behind the scenes yeah, maybe. in terms of clauses that took a while because, um, you know, it took five, six months for this thing to officially get signed uh, going forward. And I, who knows? Maybe this was not necessarily a, a huge priority. Either, yeah. You know, <laughs> that he knew. I mean, he knows that this is kind of. Uh, He's bought a house. Yeah. I mean, he, he probably which had Mike some, Riley never really officially <laughs> did. Yeah. So maybe he had some some bigger fish to fry when you when you know you're back at your kind of your destination job, um, you know, hammering out all the small minute details to your to your contract aren't aren't always you know um, priority number one necessarily. All right, we're going to talk more um, football here in our next segment. Big Ten uh, spring football. Uh, Robin and I have had a chance to talk to twelve different writers that cover Nebraska's twelve opponents. We're going to give some thoughts on what jumped out to us, and then. We're going to talk some basketball. Nebraska got some big news. Uh, Copeland's coming back. Palmer's coming back. They're going to play a game in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Just for you, science guy. Just for you. <laughs> uh, longtime member of the Red Sea Scrolls. Um, but we'll discuss that as well as take your questions in the mailbag and recruiting. It's satellite camp season. Summer camps begin next week. So lots to talk about here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Now we're talking some post-spring football stuff. It's magazine season. Uh, I just picked up my Lindy's and my Athlon, and Phil Still will come out later. So I'm a traditionalist. I buy my my magazines every month. But we try to do our own kind of May-June magazine series on Husker Online every year um, where we go through the Big Ten teams uh, the schedule teams in the non-conference, then we kind of rank the players in the league. And it, it's been something we've done for over 10 years. And people, 
generally really I'm, I'm i'm actually surprised robin the amount of response we've gotten on a lot of these stories this year mm-hmm. wisconsin i mean any, any of these bigger games particularly um there's a lot of intrigue to hear what these writers think about nebraska um what they think their season's going to be like and kind of how they think they match up with that game against nebraska well it's because you spend basically from the end of last season till now uh focused on Nebraska and what all the questions surrounding your team. And so when you get a chance to step back and kind of look what else is going on, uh, not only within the rest of the conference, but within some of the non-con teams Nebraska is going to be facing in a few months, it's nice to uh, kind of put things into perspective and (laughs) more often than not realize that uh, a lot of the teams Nebraska is going to be facing have a lot of questions to answer their own still going into fall camp. And I think there's definitely a little Scott Frost fatigue amongst the league now. I mean, so so many people in the league for the last five, six months have heard all about how great Nebraska is going to be with Coach Frost and et cetera, et cetera. And, I mean, you you can just sense from each fan base and each person we talk to, there's just a lot of we don't know what they're going to be, but um, it's probably going to take some time. Yeah, and it's usually how it works. I don't think that's going to surprise anybody. Uh, probably if they came out with their you know, guns blazing right off the bat, that would probably be surprising. I mean, obviously there's going to be an adjustment, but um, the factor of the unknown might be Nebraska's one of their best assets right now because no one really knows what to expect from this team. Every guy that I've talked to, and I'm sure the same is with you, um, just has no clue about what Nebraska's going to be. Uh, they have no idea what the offense They're talking about like breaking down film of the spring game to try and get a con- uh, the concept of what you know to expect in six months or whatever. So uh, that probably might be a, a factor on Nebraska's side, at least early, you know, until they finally put some film um, out there to be watched. But um, there's definitely a lot of intrigue and a lot of curiosity about what Nebraska is going to be this season. All right, let's talk non-conference. There's three games and nine-game conference schedule. Akron, who played for the MAC title. Colorado, who won five games. And then Troy, who won the Sun Belt and also their bowl game. Um, I believe they were an 11-win team last year. Uh, but Troy lost their quarterback, um, who's now with the Eagles, and then the running back as well, who had about 4,000 career yards. So um, Troy lost their two main guys, but still a lot left. Um, Colorado, on paper, is one of the more attractive home games just because of the, the history, Robin. But do you get the sense that this is just a middle-of-the-road Colorado team or a team that could be better than that? Well, they're, it's going to be interesting because they're taking on um, a new offense style. They're basically going to go to that Texas Tech air raid style of offense, and um, you add that with – Nebraska's offensive tempo, that could be a very long game, if nothing else. So um, yeah, their offensive coordinator was that uh, Shiverini. Uh, remember that wide receiver from Colorado from back in the 90s? Uh, Darren Cheverini, uh, he's their new OC now, and obviously he um, coached at Texas Tech before coming back to Colorado, and so there's going to be a new flavor for what they do offensively, and a lot of it's going to rely on their quarterback, Steven Montez, but um, that's obviously the marquee game in the non-con, um, and they're going under a pretty massive shift schematically, just like Nebraska is, so it's hard to really know what what to expect from that game. Yeah, Mike McIntyre is an interesting guy that coached there. I mean, I really thought after he took them to the Pac-12 title game, he might have got out of there. I mean, he really kind of cashed out his best year. It's going to be hard for them to ever have a year like he had a couple of years ago where they almost beat Michigan when Michigan was one of Harbaugh's best teams. And uh, I believe they they lost. They had a couple other losses, but it was a, a quality year. But he's, he's still there, and he's a very good coach. Uh, but, yeah, that non-conference, I mean, Nebraska will be favored on all three. Um, but, you know, I think the Colorado game will be about a touchdown spread. Maybe I mean, I, I can't see it being much more than seven to nine for Nebraska. Um, Akron's been set, right? 
Uh, yeah. we, we know the yeah, number. Yeah, eight, 18. 18 and a half, I think. And then, you know, Troy is probably going to be like 13. I mean, I, I look at Troy as this year's Northern Illinois game. Yeah, very, um, way more so than Akron. Akron, obviously, they had a good year last year, but um, they lost a ton on offense. They returned their quarterback, who finished the last five games, but um, offensively, they're going to be a disaster. So basically, <laughs> if Nebraska can score 20 points, they win the game. Then you kind of uh, go in quads here. Your next three, at Michigan, at home against a Purdue team that won their bowl game last year, and then at Wisconsin. That is a brutal stretch. I mean, you, you look at those three games – and Nebraska's just got to get at least one in that three. I mean, but they're going to be dogs in Michigan and Ohio and Wisconsin. We know that. Purdue's clearly the one they have to get in Lincoln. David Blau is back for his 17th year. Um, has Purdue <laughs> Well, they got that Sindelar guy, too. So, I mean, they got a quarterback battle going on Seriously, this spring. Seriously, David Blau has been there since Drew Brees. I mean, that guy has been at <laughs> Purdue forever. But uh, that, that won't be an easy game, as we know. Jeff Brom is one of the best offensive minds. Michigan intrigues me, though, with Shea Patterson. What will they do with him? He's te- he's technically like a gunslinger, spreadish type quarterback that came from Old Miss. How will he fit into the pro-style offense, and how will Jim Harbaugh adapt? We know he did it with Colin Kaepernick. He figured out a way to make a guy kind of work. How do you do it, though, with a guy like Patterson? Well, and the fact that that's going to be Nebraska's first road game of the year, too. Conference opener, first road game. Um, the, the stakes are going to get raised in a major way that game. Um, and obviously, um, depending on how the non-conference conference shakes out, that could be a, a primetime game well, as well, just given the two brands. So um, I'm very anxious to see just kind of where that game is in the spectrum of um, you know entering the Big Ten season and where both those teams are at, because obviously both are going over some pretty massive changes as well. I think that will be a night game. Michigan, Nebraska. Would not surprise me. And I know Wisconsin, Iowa play that same day. Um, I believe it's in Iowa City. And Iowa is really pushing for a night game. Um, from from what Tom Kaker, our longtime friend at HawkeyeReport.com, said. Uh, but, you know, I think the perception and thought is that ABC or Fox is going to want Michigan, Nebraska at night, especially if Nebraska's 3-0. That's kind of an attractive game at that point. Now, Michigan opens with Notre Dame, so it's hard to say. And Wisconsin, speaking of Wisconsin, that's going to be a tough game. I mean, we've seen a lot of good Wisconsin teams. I still don't think this team is as good as the Russell Wilson team. I think that team could have won a national championship. But this is as good of a Wisconsin team Nebraska's played since they've joined the Big Ten. And basically outside of last or the last time they were there, um, it hasn't gone very well at all for Nebraska. Well, they went to overtime yeah, they last sh- time. Arguably should have won that game, and that really kind of changed the Mike Riley era. Um, you know, I mean, what were they, seventh nationally in that game, undefeated, uh, and then everything just completely fell apart. They from had that one game loss. On. They one lost. One loss, one loss. So, so they, I mean, obviously still, that was kind of the tone setter for the— No, wait, they were undefeated at yeah, Wisconsin. I thought so. And then, you're right, they They're lost seven and 7-0, but it was, it was the deal is— what kind of 7-0 and were they? But anyway, uh, they're going back there, and they haven't had much success, and that's going to be a game that's going to be very pivotal, obviously, with the Big Ten West. I mean, you have to beat Wisconsin if you're going to compete for a Big Ten uh, or place in the Big Ten championship. Weren't they up 17-7 that one year, and then Corey Cooper got hurtled by Melvin Gordon? Yes, that was the Melvin Gordon game. And uh, they had a, a fumble at midfield or something like that, and that— I mean, they were they were kicking. I mean, they were actually dialed in, and then Daniel Davey got chewed out by Bo Pelini in his face, and <laughs> and then the snowball and the snowball went downhill from there. And players talked about that 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 moment. I, I know when Riley's staff met with players, that moment when Pelini kind of berated Daniel Davey at that Wisconsin game, that game turned. But let's move on to the next part of the schedule: Northwestern, Minnesota, Iowa, or excuse me, Ohio State. 
So this is the year Robin Nebraska plays five road games and they're going to sandwich a lot of road games. I mean, Nebraska goes road, home, road, road, home, road. Um, so they have two home games sandwiched between four road games. Uh, that is brutal. But luckily, Northwestern, we know, is more of a home game for Nebraska. Yeah, and usually always has been. And uh, that's the one good thing. But uh, the problem is the uh, the home team, you know, I, I guess it's not the problem. The advantage is the home team has been the uh, at a disadvantage in this series. I think Northwestern is 3-1 and one in Lincoln, and Nebraska's— With the Hail Mary being yeah, the only time they've three lost. 3-0 oh in Evanston. So um, that's certainly something that probably could work in Nebraska's favor, and I'm sure the team, you know, fans are going to travel to that game just because it's one of the easiest games to get to. But, I um, mean, you know, obviously Northwestern— Western, um, you know, their their season is going to rely on the quarterback, Clayton Thorson. Uh, he blew his knee out in the Music City Bowl, and if he's right now, um, he's expected to return late September at, at best. So that means that he's going to miss their first Big Ten game because they open the year with Purdue, uh, and then they're going to then they at the end of September they play Michigan. So he could potentially miss their first two Big Ten games, and that could really set the tone for Northwestern season. Um, and just kind of how the, how they close things out, but uh, that's a game that Nebraska has to finally, obviously, win because it's the West, and you got to win the games in the West if you want to compete. All right, we're not going to have enough time to get through all the teams on the schedule, but real quick, I think Nebraska their path to six wins is Akron, Colorado, Purdue, Minnesota, Illinois. Those are the six games I think that they have to get, and then anything else they get, and I think they will get more than just those six. Um, I think if they can get that, that's how they get you know to that seven eight win mark, but. Akron, Colorado, Troy, Purdue, Minnesota, Illinois. Those are the six they have to get. Yeah, if you're looking for potential upset, Michigan State. Obviously, they've had a good six track record there. And talking with their Michigan State guy, Michigan State fans feel that that is kind of the game that makes them the most nervous um, just because of the way the schedule sets up for the Spartans and just not knowing what Nebraska is going to be. Well, I think Iowa and Northwestern are two that are winnable as well. But Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan, I think everybody agrees those are going to be very difficult games right there. But Nebraska has kind of three that they have a chance, and I think six that they're going to be really favored in. Um, so it will be fun. We're going to be probably doing the same segment about 17 more times from now until September. So uh, we come back. We're going to talk some hoops. So Nebraska's going to play a game in Sioux Falls. We'll get Robin Washett's thoughts on that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washhead, as we talk some Nebraska basketball. And Huskers continue to get good news. I mean, our friend Brad Edwards kind of jinxed the program with that tweet and um, said a lot of bad news coming, Robin. All the, it's all been good news. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because uh, there was a point where it seemed like the entire program was going to get shut down. Uh, they were going to fire everybody and probably just donate the resources towards men's basketball to football recruiting or something like that. But... They turned it around, and things are looking up now. Well, Nebraska gets James Palmer Jr. back. They get Isaac Copeland back. Isaiah Roby's coming back. Um, we know Glenn Watson's back as well. Um, I mean, this team, Robin, on paper now is set up. It, it it has a feel, though, of the year after Nebraska made the tournament the first time with Tim Miles. That team was also set up. But I think what's different to me about this team is you got guys that get to the rim that can finish – where that team following the tournament run for Miles was a lot of shooters, a lot of rhythm guys, Petaway, Pitchford. They, they took a lot of kind of outside perimeter shots that didn't fall that second year where you look at this team, there's a lot of athletes that get to the rim. And this is a team that I think should be a top-four team now in the Big Ten. Yeah, and I think that 
you'd probably be sliding them if you didn't put them in the top four based off what they did a year ago and what they returned. They returned basically 80% of their production across the board. And I don't know how many Big Ten teams can even say that or come remotely close to saying that. So that in itself should um, make Nebraska a pretty trendy pick. But in my opinion, here's the biggest difference between that 14-15 team and the 18-19 team. This team actually likes playing together, and they all have the common interest of team success. That 14-15 team did not. There was a lot of individual aspirations that got in the way of the collective team goal. And when things didn't go well, which they didn't, right out of the gates, when they were a top 25 team, went to Rhode Island and got smacked, uh, things fell apart very quickly. Look back at what happened last year. Nebraska obviously got off to a tough start in the non-con, lost some close games. Uh, they probably should have won, you know, the Kansas, Creighton, whatever. Uh, and they were up against it in the Big Ten slate. But they had the resilience to turn it on, finish in a flurry, and put together a resume that in any other year would have been good enough to make the NCAA tournament. You bring back all that veteran leadership, that experience, and the fact that these guys have all played a ton of basketball together, this ma- that makes this team so unique compared to any other squad Tim Miles has had since he's been at Nebraska. And that is why I think this team is so different that you can't use past history against what this season could potentially bring. Now, obviously, the Big Ten is going to be a lot better uh, across the board. You know, really, as far as guys jumping in the NBA, uh, the Big Ten came away pretty good uh, when you go across the board. So um, that in itself is going to make the road more difficult. And then Nebraska is bumping up their non-conference schedule to avoid a situation last year where you're not playing enough good teams. And so that is going to make the road more difficult. But you have all your horses back. You basically have your entire rotation outside of Evan Taylor and Anton Gill. Um, You have all your stars, and most importantly, they are all out to do one thing, get to the NCAA tournament and win a game. Obviously, Copeland, Roby, uh, and Palmer are all trying to play themselves towards the next step. But to, they all know, in my opinion, and just from talking with them, uh, they, they get that in order to do that, the best way to get that exposure and get that attention is through team success. You can put up 20 points a game on a team that wins 12 games and nobody cares. But if you put up 15 points per game on a team that goes to the NCAA tournament and you're playing in March when the games actually matter, uh, that carries a whole lot more weight. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show with Sean Callahan and Robin Washer. We're talking Nebraska basketball, and Robin's schedule news has started to come out. Now, confirm this now. They'll play 20 Big Ten games next year? 20, from 18 last year to 20 this year. So uh, the Big Ten is loading up. and um, It's all about the money, the TV yeah, money. Yeah, obviously that's a huge part of it. It's all about it. CBS on Saturday and Sunday and ESPN and Tuesday and, and getting better games on those days. Yeah, and clearly that is the number one driving force by a long stretch. And also... Uh, you know, it gives you the opportunity to play more high-profile games and you know bolster your resume. So it works out for the teams, but There's gonna be a yeah, lot more guys fired. It's all about the money, no doubt about it. Now, so they'll play two games in December still. The conference schedule is that well, still- at least two. They might bump it up to four now. Um, just they haven't announced how the when the games are going to be played. Um, but the fact that you're adding two more games to the schedule, I mean, you can't extend the season, so you got to pack it in earlier. I wouldn't be surprised if they play, you know, as many as four games early in in, in early December, uh, similar to what they did with the two games last they year. They do a good job though of staying away from football. I mean, they they they, they you have to. I mean, I mean, you have to. I mean, if li- you're if your whole driving force is behind TV money, you can't go up against conference championship Saturday. You got to play Friday nights yeah, or Sundays exactly. or. And so that's why the NCAA or, uh, college basketball moved up the start of their season. It was initially scheduled for Friday, November 9th. They moved it up uh, three days to Tuesday, November. 
November 6th. That's that's when all those big time like you know battleship tournaments are going to be played and all that stuff. So uh, they they want to get as far removed from the football shadow and put feature their product as much as possible. So you're that's I mean you're seeing active moves done to showcase the sport better. And going to 20 games, that's how this new thing with Iowa came into play. Nebraska will always play Iowa. Yeah. Uh, twice a year, regardless. Well, and I think, yeah, they also wanted to put more of an emphasis on the geographical stuff, which I don't know why they didn't do that in the first place. The fact that Nebraska was only playing Iowa once, not even getting the Hawkeyes in getting Lincoln. Getting Rutgers and Penn State yeah, twice. Playing, yeah, where you're playing Rutgers and Penn State twice every year. It just made no sense to me. So from here on out, Nebraska and I will be playing each other at home and away to uh, – push the quote-unquote rivalry that the Big Ten wants to start between those two. How many bad Nebraska-Rutgers games have you watched? It's too many <laughs> that I try and block them out to where like I don't have to remember them. All right, well, so this is what we know as we talk to schedules, Robin and watch it. There's 20 Big Ten games. Tim Miles is on radio on Husker Sports Network this week saying that they're going to have 26 high major games. 25 to 26. 25 yeah. to 26. Who are the other five or six? Okay, what we know right now, uh, they obviously have the Gavit Games uh, showdown the with Seton Hall on November 14th. So that game is locked in. In New Jersey? Uh, no, in Lincoln. All uh, right. And so that's a home game. And then they have Creighton coming to Pinnacle Bank Arena. That game is to be determined, but usually it's in that first week of December. Uh, then they're going down to Kansas City for the CBE Classic and playing two games against a field of um, also made up of three other teams, Texas Tech, USC, and Missouri State. So they'll get two games there. And along with that, um, they're going to have two more home games against non-Power 6 teams um, that'll technically be tied in with that field. So technically it's an eight-team field. You get a couple of playing But games. the other four teams are just kind of like... But if you lose that game, you still get to go to Kansas City, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not a matter of making Kansas City. It's a matter of you just get two home games that are tied to this tournament. So uh, they'll have two additional home games along with the two games in Kansas City. Uh, and then the big ACC Big Ten Challenge game, Nebraska's still awaiting their opponent or a, a location for that game. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a home game, but... Again, you know, it's, wait, who, were they at home last year in that or on the road? Uh, they were at, no, they had Boston College for in, Lincoln. Game. So yeah, so the, in Lincoln. It's so, their turn for the, it might be. Now, Nebraska, Robin, was a top four team in the Big Ten. They have a lot coming back now. They haven't set these games yet. I mean, no. there's a potential chance we're actually going to see a better team play Nebraska this year. It's well, not going to be an old Orange Bowl matchup. As Tim Miles said, we want Duke. And I don't think they're going to get Duke, but uh, maybe Notre Dame. Sure, I mean you can get you know a higher profile team. So I might send you to South Bend. Hey, let's do it. The best teams they've played in that thing. I think they played Wake Forest twice. They played uh, Miami twice. Clemson, Florida State. Yeah, Clemson, Florida. It's State. It's like old Orange Bowls. Yeah, I mean so they, they just basically put, oh, the football put an old schools. Orange Bowl and then show like Tommy Frazier highlights and, and other yeah. Orange Bowl highlights. And so so far, only one team they faced was ranked, and that was Miami when they were twenty first and they came to Lincoln. Uh, so. Obviously, you would hope for a better draw in that regard. So, I mean, talk, I mean we're talking about bolstering Maybe Virginia schedule. Tech. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways they could go where that, that game could be another one of those marquee non-conference games um, that we're looking at. And then, obviously, the, the big news uh, that came out this week is the game uh, neutral site showdown with an opponent that is to be announced in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, I hope I can go to that game. Presumably at the, at the uh, Sanford Pentagon. Uh, I- Iowa played there last year at, at the Pentagon. It was on BTN. That's so. like the small arena. Yeah, it's and only, then, and only then, like 4,000, 5,000 Isn't seats. that where the Sioux Falls Sky Force used to play? I think so. Give me days of my old – I was a ball boy for the I'm Omaha sure. Racers. I, I, went, I went to a playoff game. <laughs> yeah. Game A game you five. I watched Tim Legler play in that arena. Actually, it might have been Jim Less. So, yeah, uh, that game uh, – 
here's my theory on that. You know, they've already there's been plenty of rumors and um, actually reports that Nebraska has been actively involved in trying to schedule a former Big Twelve foe. Um, at some point, not necessarily in that game, but at some point in their non-conference schedule to try and rekindle some of those, you know, just like football. So know, maybe a K-State, maybe an Iowa State, maybe an Oklahoma State, yes, somebody some, with some history. Something to that effect. And so uh, I think that that's probably what you sh- could maybe expect out of that game. Um, so, I mean, if, if that's how it shakes out, I mean, that's a pretty darn good non-conference slate, and especially that you're getting a lot of those at home or at least reasonably close to home. So 32 games in the schedule? 31. 31. So 31. you're only going to have five gimmies. Yeah, so uh, outside of the ones we just listed, plus the 20 conference games, there's still three open um, non-conference games that have yet to be sh- – And th- those are going to be kind of pay games. Yeah, they'll be the low-buy games, um, You know, probably you know some – regional ties and who knows what let's but, just not bring the worst one in this yeah, year don't get stetson don't get delaware state to where you're actually punished for winning a game by 20 points <laughs> that was a good basketball say when we come back it was we are going to talk we're gonna take your questions in the mailbag actually david eichel's gonna join us and nate klaus has been patiently waiting to break down satellite <laughs> camps nate will join us to close the show but we'll take your questions here next in the mailbag you're listening to the husker online show This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and we're bringing in our summer school intern, David Eichel. David, uh, what do you got for us? we got a mailbag this week, lots of talk about attrition, different things, but we're going to have you here for the rest of the summer. So what, what, what what do you got? Uh, if you had to pick one player that you think would be an all Big Ten selection at the end of the season, who would you pick? Well, don't St- say Stanley Morgan. And yeah, Stanley Morgan's the, the obvious one. <laughs> Anybody but him. Oh man, um, I mean JD Spielman. Like yeah. when you look at the magazines right now, Spielman and, and Morgan are, are first teamers in pretty much everything. Lindy's an Athlon. Um, I think Spielman is like a second team receiver, first team all purpose guy. Morgan's a first team receiver. I mean, those are the two obvious ones, but I. I think the wild card is is where it's hard. But when you have 14 teams in the conference, I mean, you basically have to be an All-American guy to be All-Conference first team right now. It's mm-hmm. If you're first team All-Big Ten, you're probably like at least third team All-American. So I don't know if they have anybody. I mean, defensively, I don't even know where you would go no. right now. I mean, I don't think they have anybody as a first Aaron, team. I mean, maybe if Aaron Williams is maybe the, second, third team. I mean, if Aaron well, Williams did say all Big Ten selection, not first. Yeah, so it yeah, doesn't have so. to be first team. No, I mean, if Aaron Williams had like six picks or something, I mean, I think he could be a guy. I mean, he's clearly one of their best guys. With Will Honus, if he lives up to his potential, I mean, he could just be a stat. Is he going to stat right. though? Start though for sure. I mean, is it even a done deal? I mean, I mean Barrett Root said he was a starter coming out of spring. I didn't know because of uh, the, the way the spring teams are broken up. He was on the whites. and I mean, with his inside linebackers, he said that he and Dedrick Young were the two guys. So I, I assume he'll be a starter. Obviously, I guess nothing has been officially Who do you got, announced. Nate? I don't know. Maybe Breon Dixon could be a wild card. There I you mean, go. you don't really know what okay. you're going to get with him or how creative they're going to be able to to get with Breon and, and put him in you know positions to kind of – uh, you know, create some turnovers or, or, you know, be a tackle for loss machine. You know, I, I think that he's a guy at that position that could rack up some some interesting stats and at least land on some sort of big all Big Ten list if he has a good year. Maybe a Carlos Davis, too. 
with the loss of Andrew Ward over uh, over a week ago and Willie Hampton now, would you say Nebraska now lacks depth at the inside linebacker position? And what are the chances of someone moving from outside to inside? I'm not really that worried. I mean, they have three guys that can play that are going to probably occupy most, if not all, the snaps. We mentioned Honus, Dedrick Young, who's in his fourth year as a starter. Um, you know, who am I missing? There's one more. Muhammad Barry. Uh, Muhammad Barry. I mean, th- those are three guys they are going to take all. They're going to take all the snaps. So I, I'm really not all that worried um, because I, I didn't see Willie Hampton playing this year. You hardly I mean, even got him mentioned, you know, in post-practice interviews. So, I mean, uh, either of those guys. So I'm with you. I don't think that's anything significantly going to damage their depth. Obviously, they're two scholarship guys now out of the equation, but who's to say that more won't be added well, and Wine, now and then? Wouldn't Winemaster be the next guy? Root loves Jacob Winemaster. And I think he he played himself into some role last year, and he's got a real opportunity. I mean, he led the all players and tackles in the spring game, so um, he's got a shot to play. And so I, he's I, ahead of Avery. I, yeah, I would I'd probably put him ahead of all those guys that left at least. Yeah, I think Avery Roberts is he's the wild card. I mean, you have to have him really step up now, in, in my opinion, because you've got four scholarship guys there at the position, and Barrett Root has said that they're going to need four to six guys to play at that spot. So. I think now with you know with the departure of a couple, you're going to need Avery Roberts to step to step up, and and you're going to have to rely on a guy like Jacob Weimaster to give you some some time here and there too. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Watchett, and Nate Klaus. We're taking your questions in the mailbag with David Eichel. Well, Dedrick Young finished his career at Nebraska with the worst record of any starting player since the 1950s. Who? Dedrick Young. Dedrick Young. <laughs> wow. I guess I never even gave it much thought, but um, I mean, he had one nine-win year, a five-win year, a four. I guess they won six and they went four. Um, yeah, the I mean, game. it's conceivable. I guess. I mean, there there aren't. I mean, how, how many other guys on the distribution played as true freshmen? Divino Zigbo would be in the same boat as he would. Stanley Morgan would be in that same boat. Um, so would it just be Dedrick Young? I mean, there are a number of guys. On this team, um, it's kind of a loaded question. <laughs> I don't know where you go with it. Aaron Williams played as a true freshman, so there's four or five guys, Jordan Ober as well, that would all be kind of in that category. Yeah, and you know, really, who cares? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. All right. this, this is a weird question. Next question. <laughs> Unless Nate really wanted to comment on that. No, I'm good. <laughs> uh, if a genie came up to you and you had three wishes, but they could only be used for college football, what would they be? And you cannot wish for more wishes. Well, I'd like to go to a good bowl game again, um, and and you know it just feels like for Nebraska's sake they haven't been to a legit bowl game since the Fiesta Bowl. I mean, the Cotton Bowl when they went was not the Cotton Bowl now; it was a Big Twelve tie-in bowl. Um, so I, I just think for the health of the fan base and the state and the economy, just getting back on a big stage, winning those games, a conference championship. I'm not, I'm not even going to say national championship. I mean, get a conference championship. I mean, that would go so far. Um, in getting things. I don't even know where I'd go with my third wish. Yeah, I mean, conference championship, I think, is kind of the, the clear Realistic bar. Wish. I mean, if you can't compete in your own conference, I mean, then you got a whole bucket of issues. So uh, bowl games are nice, but really to put yourself back on the map, you got to be a year-in, year-out contender to win your conference. And Nebraska has not been that in so long that I think people are just desperate to finally stop losing to the teams they have to hear about every single year. Stop losing to Iowa. Uh, 
Stop losing to Wisconsin. Uh, stop losing to Minnesota. You know, I mean, those are the games that Nebraska has to finally come up and win, win their division, get to Indianapolis, and not get blown out by 60 points once you get there. I mean, that, that's that's my first goal. So th- those are the three things. Beat the teams in your division, get to Indianapolis, and then finally be competitive if not win the thing. Yeah, I would say – uh, conference championship, um, you know, to, to see Nebraska return to to being a consistent top ten type of team year in and year out, and then to have the SEC move to a nine game conference. Schedule. I like that. There one. you go. Here's another one I, I I got Nate. I want every four star or better recruit in the 500 mile radius to come to Nebraska. Yeah, that would be that would also be <laughs> very nice. Like every St. Louis, Kansas City, Denver, South Dakota. Oklahoma I'll give, City. I'll give Iowa their guys. You might have to concede Oklahoma City a little bit. Oh, you might have to concede Iowa too. But yeah. every four-star in Kansas, Missouri, and Colorado, and then the one guy every two years in South Dakota, get all those guys. Minnesota, maybe you throw Minneapolis in there. That would be a good wish. Yeah, I would take that. All right, what do you got? Next one. When Frost took over at UCF, the program ad- adopted the UCF Fast Brand campaign, highlighted by the team's new Nike uniform combos. So do you think – Nebraska will have any new brand campaigns to boost recruiting and Nebraska's, quote, cool factor. Well, have you been Frost. to Shields lately? I mean, it's like Frost t-shirts everywhere. I mean, I, I just think the Frost effect, the Frost warning. Um, I mean, there's so much just Frost everywhere. And even, uh, was it Athlon has him on the cover of their Big Ten issue? Yeah, I mean, he he in himself is a brand. But uh, I think their relationship with Adidas is continuing to pay off in that regard. I mean, just look at the cleats they've been putting out, the emoji cleats with the, the, the money flying ones, the 100 emoji. 100. Uh, <laughs> Frost is a Nike guy, though. I, mean, I know. Like, I mean, his relationship with Phil Knight's well-documented. I mean, it's, it's interesting that he's had to kind of do this because I, I think if he had his druthers, he would go Nike, but obviously Nebraska not, is the flagship Not stopping him from school. wearing Yeezys on national television. No, though, sir. So, uh, you got you to embrace it. And the, there is a cool factor to Adidas, Nate, obviously you know very well uh, with the, just talking with recruits that um, that brand carries just as much weight as Nate's Nike Nate's got a secret a fetish of with Adidas, though. I mean, <laughs> Don't ask about how many pairs how many, of Adidas How many um, Adidas shoes do you have, Nate? About 15 pairs? Um, <clears throat> yeah. Your wife's not listening. Yeah. yeah. Um, if easily, easily fifteen. Um, I'll just leave it at that. But Adidas, <laughs> Adidas has definitely captured a, a huge share of the market that they didn't have just even two or three years ago. So I think it's a good time for uh, for that. Uh, you know, if you want the UCF fast or whatever UC fast, uh, I would go with like a like a new speed NU speed or or a, a UNL like or like a UN Lightning for you know UNL Lightning Dang. or something like that. So yeah, I should be on the. You should get into marketing. Right? That's great. So it's an audition right <laughs> here for Nate. <laughs> we got time for one more. What do you have? <laughs> Since you guys have been covering sports, what's your favorite memory? Oh wow! So there's only like games we, that we've we covered. We could just relate it to Nebraska. It could be games covered, events covered, a story. We'll, we'll broaden it out a little bit. Man. I mean, this is like <laughs> two-hour HBO special type stuff. I mean, it, what what would be – I mean, I've seen a lot of bad games, <laughs> but – Best memory. Best favorite memory. Everything – like go, the first Big Ten game, even though they got blown out, just being in Madison that night, I mean, that was pretty historical. And then knowing how good Russell Wilson, but that's not my, like, best memory. Um, oh, man, where do you go on I'd this? say uh, No Sit Sunday. 
I mean, for me, it's basketball. Uh, but from a sporting event standpoint and just the atmosphere within Pinnacle Bank Arena was unlike anything I've ever experienced. And then maybe second was the Colorado-Nebraska game. Um, not only when Alex Henry hit that 57-yarder, oh, but when Sue got, did the pick, threw Haskins to the ground. I was standing right in the corner of that end and zone. And he did get penalized. Oh, it was unbelievable. He th- spiked the ball. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Like, that was probably the most electric I've ever seen Memorial Stadium. So football is, you know, just from a personal standpoint of being there, probably that game. And then basketball knows it's Sunday, no question. Yeah, I was going to say the Colorado game uh, with the Sioux pick and or the pick six and then the Alex Henry kick. Um, you know, another one. Um, you know, the, the Hail Mary, you know, that was the Western uh, catch. Yeah, catch. The Western catch. I mean, that was a moment that I think, you know, everyone's like, boy, this is not good at all. And then all of a sudden <laughs> Kellogg and Westy hook up for that. And it was just kind of shocking. Um, the Michigan Alamo bowl for me stood out, Nate. I mean, I don't know why, but yeah. just because they were so overmatched, I mean, there was like 15 draft picks on that Michigan team, several first rounders. And you had a bunch of, you know, walk-ons from Nebraska like Blake Tiki and Adam Ickes running down like these yep. first-rounders and just playing their you-know-what's off to win that game. Um, and th- that was a game on paper they had no business winning. I don't know why, but that game just – I always remember that game. But Corey Ross was a beast. In yeah, that he was healthy. But, Richie Incognito <laughs> had it one heck of a game. Oh, that was the Michigan State game the year before. That was oh oh you t- yeah, yeah yeah yeah. I'm talking about the Michigan 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 yeah. But yeah, he- hearing the Alamo Dome say we want Bo. I had I had that clip <laughs> saved somewhere. It, it disappeared in my archives, but I had that for years saved on my old uh, archives. But the fans on the road too just it never gets old when you see like twenty some thousand, thirty some thousand, if not more, Nebraska fans at some of these road games and. Just seeing the reactions from the other fan bases. We, Robin and I, have traveled together now for ten years. Going on tenth season. We're like a old. I mean, we knew each other before we knew our wives. So yep. we have just celebrated my fourth anniversary this week, and now I'm going on my tenth anniversary with you, Sean. So that puts a perspective <laughs> right there. Nate and I have known each other since '02, and yeah. we traveled together back then. But he didn't work for us until um, later on. But yeah, just all the road trips and, and the fans when you go to like Northwestern and Minnesota and. Just the amount of fans in those West Coast trips when you see the amount of fans out there. Yeah, the so. Washington game when they won out there with Martinez. That was a sweet game. They took over an entire end zone. So. Even Fresno State, like how many fa- I mean, I remember like at the end of that game, there was like 20-some, 30-some thousand Nebraska fans in that stadium. Just And the Fresno State players were like, what in the heck? Easily What's- one of the weirdest games I've ever been to. Started about <laughs> – 10.30 Nebraska yeah. time. And yeah, it was like an 8 o'clock local kick, and then so it was like 10 o'clock here. It was terrible. All right, when we come back, we got to talk some recruiting. Uh, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the program, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. It is camp season, Nate. I'm excited. Are you excited? Yeah, I'm excited. Camp season you know, the month of June is always an exciting one. We go to camp. We tell our wives we're off. We're going to camp. And it is really like we're going to camp. Uh, Nate will be in St. Louis this weekend. Uh, we have plans as well during the week to be in Atlanta and Miami. Uh, Brian Munson um, will be covering the individual camps going on in Lincoln as well. Um, it is really nonstop camps going on everywhere. 
uh, for Nebraska speaking engagements going on as well. But it's going to be a busy month of June. Yeah, it really is. You look at the schedule that these coaches have here. You know, kind Jim Harbaugh esque. Boy, I tell you what. Um, they, I mean, they're making they're making all these stops around the state. Um, you know, just right after they get done being on the road for basically six weeks during the spring evaluation period, and then um, you know, right before they they hit the road uh, with the with the grind of, of camp season. So the, I mean, there was just no rest for these guys really. Um, you know, except for a couple of weeks in the month of July. But but yeah, this is uh, definitely a busy time of the year, and really, I think as far as recruiting goes, is going to be maybe the 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 tipping off point for this recruiting class. You know, they they've got five commits, but three of them are in state guys. Um, you know, and, and I think that a lot of people are starting to get a little nervous or impatient with where things currently stand. But I think that after the satellite camps and after you know the the Friday Night Lights camps, the individual camps that are taking place in Lincoln and uh, you know whatever type of recruiting events they decide to kind of piggyback off of those deals, I think that this will be the month to kind of kickstart a lot of recruiting for the 2019 class. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk satellite camps. Nate, it starts really in St. Louis, Nebraska. We'll have four coaches we know of that will be down there at least for um, uh, the big uh, super camps there in St. Louis. Yeah, at least four coaches that will be down there, and uh, I mean this is this is generally a really popular camp, you know, with with a lot of players from not just St. Louis but a lot of surrounding areas too, both Missouri. You know, you get kids coming from all the way from uh, uh, Jefferson City or Columbia, and then all the way you know from South Illinois too. So I think that this will be another really big camp. I know that it's it's kind of all sold out. They've added some extra sessions that Nebraska is going to be involved with. So uh, I'm excited to to see you know kind of. Who emerges from this, you know, this uh, these couple of camps in, in St. Louis? Because a couple of years ago, you had guys like a Kyron Williams, who now Nebraska was the first one to offer him, and, and he's now, you know, sitting at right around twenty offers, and you know, can go anywhere from you know Nebraska to Stanford to Notre Dame, and, and pretty much anywhere in between. Cam and, Coleman, uh, yeah, Cam Coleman was was another one that Nebraska. I mean, you were like one of the first guys to really write about him. Yeah, a lot. I think I did write the first story on on both those guys. So. Uh, so I think that that's the exciting part is is who's going to emerge in these camps out of you know four to six hundred kids that are going to be there. Who are the the young guys that are going to emerge and kind of put themselves on the map as as legitimate prospects and, and players that Nebraska is going to go after. And we've covered Nate as many satellite camps probably as anybody the last three years. And I think the one thing we've learned over these years is not necessarily about the current year's prospects. These are just as much, if not more, about the younger guys, the sophomores and juniors to be. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the biggest takeaway, you know, the, that I've that I have from all this, all the what the last three years or, or more that we've done these satellite camps is generally it's not the seniors to be, it's it's the the sophomores and the the juniors to be. It's those those underclassmen that are at the camps that are either already on the radar somewhat, but maybe don't have offers or who just totally emerge and put themselves on the radar completely and that become, you know, players that Nebraska is going to recruit for, you know, the next year or, or two or, or even longer uh, down the road. Those are the guys that, that you know, that you really get uh, your, your money's worth by, by 
by going to these camps. And, and, and for Nebraska's sake, I, I think that's going to be the same case uh, this year. I think they're going to discover a lot of underclassmen. But also, I think their ties to the state of Florida and Georgia will probably help them out a little bit more than, than what we saw under Mike Riley. I, I think that, um, you know, obviously that staff, they were trying to make some inroads in, in Georgia and Florida, but these guys already have the connections. They, they know the recruits. They know the coaches. They know the the, the, the quote-unquote trainers and the, the uncles and, and, and the handlers and, who, and whatever you want to call them down, uh, down in, in Florida and Miami and Atlanta. I mean, they, they know all these people. And so I think from that perspective, I feel like um, you know, there's a good chance that these satellite camps are going to pay off maybe a little bit more than what we've seen in years past. And that's the thing. We were all in awe in Miami last year. We were at Lane Kiffin's camp in the morning and – I'm still starstruck by our long conversation with Monty Kiffin, and he kept calling Nate Ogallala the entire time we talked to Monty. Uh, we weren't allowed to interview Monty, though, because Lane doesn't allow yeah. anybody to do interviews. Um, but just the amount of talent there. But then at night, you know, Butch Jones, um, who also had a nice conversation with Nate. Butch Davis. Or Butch Davis, yeah. not Butch Jones. Butch, Butch Davis had a nice conversation with yeah, that was interesting. you and our photographer, Greg Peterson. Uh, but just the amount of talent there – I've been around a lot of camps now with our jobs all the way back to O2 Nate and um, man, like the talent you see there, it, it just blows you away. I mean, it's unbelievable. But a lot of these coaches there, because rosters weren't handed out, didn't even know who these kids were, didn't know their stories, didn't know their schools, their years. This staff will know their way around in Miami this week. Yeah, exactly, and and that's the thing. I mean. With last year's FIU camp, there were 600 kids there, and and I'm telling you, 300 of them were better talent than what we have in Nebraska. Yeah, easily, yeah, easily, um, and, and that's not a, a, that's not a slight against Nebraska yeah, high school just, football. It is, it is what it is. It, uh, I mean, from freshman to senior to be, there were more. You know, there were 300 at least players that, that were better there than than what we typically see in the state of Nebraska. Um, and I mean, your head was just spinning because everywhere you looked was a, a D1 guy, someone that you go, oh my God, like is, he's he's only 16. He looks like he's look. You know, it looks like he just got done playing for the uh, for the Miami Dolphins, not not playing for you know. Uh, Miami Central High School. So I, I think that uh, these guys, though, you know, Butch Jones or Butch Davis, sorry, kind of pulled a quick one and, and didn't hand out the rosters, didn't hand out any any of the heights and weights or testing times or anything. Uh, but these guys, you know, if that happens again, I, I think that Javon DeWitt uh, and Sean Beckton, Travis Fisher, and these guys, they've got a pretty good handle on the talent uh, down there in, in South Florida, and they're going to know a lot of these guys. They're going to they're going to be able to gather more information information and get more out of that than than I think the than uh, you know the previous staffs were it was funny the rosters weren't handed out like you mentioned at FIU and you had staffs like KU their entire staff was at all those camps they were on yeah. a lot of our flights and I never forget Doug Meacham that was the first time I've been around him uh, the offensive coordinator now at KU he used to be at TCU and he was just running around like a madman just trying to get as many kids as information um, phone numbers, heights, weights, schools as possible because they didn't hand out they didn't hand out rosters. Yeah, it was it was a complete mess. Um, I mean, it, it still would have been somewhat difficult to to gather some information just because there was you know the sheer number of kids that were there. But uh, without any information and with you know when you had six hundred kids, you know five hundred guys that looked like D one guys 
running around, you know, uh, wearing nothing but a number on their back, uh, back of their their shirt. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to to know your your head from the ground there. Coach Riley turns to me at the camp. He goes, "There's a lot of good looking kids here, Sean, but we don't know who any of them are." <laughs> you know, it was, so it'll be interesting to see because Nebraska hopefully will be able to at least have a few ways in with these kids and. That will be a doubleheader Thursday. Atlanta is Wednesday. And that's, to me, Nate, the highlight of this. Of this. Nebraska is going to be all around the country at different camps. But I, I think those are really the St. Louis and the Atlanta and the Miami will probably be the three really big ones. Yeah, those are gonna. I think those are gonna. Tampa, end up, might, Tampa might be big too. Yeah, Tampa might be big uh, towards the end of end of June. What is that? June twenty third or something. Yeah, like that. it's late though, and yeah. a lot. And like this, the theory on camps is kids run out of money or yeah. don't want to. They're tired of camps and they don't usually go in late June. Yeah, it's usually a lot of the guys they they have their budget, know, they, the camp budgets. Yeah, and so they hit it fast and furious for you know the first week and a half or so of uh, of June, and then. Uh, kind of tail off from there. They but, get sore. They get tired. Yeah, exactly. Or or they get the you know they they get their offers that kind of get the ball rolling and and they don't necessarily need to keep going to all these camps. But uh, but yeah, I, I think for the most part, the St. Louis, Atlanta, and the Miami camps, th- those are going to be the ones that I feel like Nebraska is going to get the most out of, and, and that they they kind of see the the biggest return from. And A and M is only doing one session this weekend as well, so they'll do one. And last year A and M had about a thousand kids at the satellite camps they did two sessions mm-hmm. but uh jimbo fisher um they're going to do a morning one and that's it um, but we will be in st louis instead so uh it's going to be a busy week though we're going to have complete coverage of the satellite camps nate and i and greg peterson uh plan to be in atlanta and miami nate will be in st louis as well so uh log on to the site over the next week as camp season is here and it's sure to bring a lot of recruiting news Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 